Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. You are tuned in to our nationwide search. We're looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us virtually in the studio from New Jersey, I have an entrepreneur that wants to do that. We've got Kelly Kessler. She's with Optimal U Health and Wellness. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I am looking forward to it as well. This is a new topic for us. And, you know, I think I'm going to create a map that has like all the little uh, spots around the United States that we have gone to and interviewed someone from because I think this is our first one from New Jersey. So congratulations on that. I'll, I'll represent hopefully well. Um, <laughs> yeah, representing here. So we always start out with an icebreaker question here. So we're going to hop right into that first. And today's icebreaker question is, what is your best scar story? Mm, um, probably the one on my forehead. So I, I was a field hockey player in college, and part of what I did was I was the fly out of the cage. So basically, the ball's coming out, they stop it, and then they drive it towards the cage, and I'm running full force towards them to stop that, and mm. took it right in the forehead. And uh, it was up in Yikes. Syracuse, New York, and I bled all over the turf, filled a sweatshirt, and got taken to the hospital, stitched up, and no Novocaine. It just, it didn't even, they just went right in and stitched it up. and. I ended up taking the stitches out myself because I'm like, eh, I don't have time for this. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I still have that scar and I wear it proudly. <laughs> Man, scalp injuries are something yeah. else. That's the, the same thing for me. You bleed like crazy. Seriously. You would have thought, uh, I'm sure when you got hit, it was the same as when I did. It's like you would have thought that somebody stabbed yeah. you and just opened your body up completely and you're just like bleeding everywhere. Yeah, um, it's a uh, warmth. Yeah. yeah, it's so weird. I actually share mine's on my head as well. I have two of them. I don't even know if you can see it in the camera, but up here I have one that goes this way, like forward and back on my head. And then one that goes across my head. I got two of them made of like little T or a little cross. Um, the first one, my cousin and I were playing basketball and we had the basketball hoop not filled with water or sand like you're supposed to. And he thought he was going to hop up on the picnic table and like Michael Jordan slam dunk into it. He did. And then it came down and it came down right on top of my head. And that's the first moment that I realized my cousin was not built for stress and injuries because we were young. Don't get me wrong, but he freaked out. He went running, crying, thought he killed me. Like it was just an insane thing. And I'm walking into the house like, damn it, I'm bleeding again. You know, <laughs> like I need to I need to fix this. And my mom's like washing my head in the sink. The blood's not stopping. And we lived in a rural area out here. Uh, so we were probably 15, 20 minutes from the nearest hospital and she just put a rag on my head, drove me up to the hospital and they stitched me up. No big deal. I think I got seven or eight stitches. Uh, same thing as you it was like, all right, come over here, boy. I'm gonna cut your, your stitches out of your head. You're fine. You know, uh, the second one was, uh, you know, manufactured homes. My sister was living in one for a little while and I bent over to tie my shoe. My brother-in-law opened the screen door. And then I stood up right into the corner of that screen door and it just busted, like I said, a perfect little cross or a T and made my second scar. That one just got glued up. It wasn't as bad, 
uh, you know, so I've got X scars all over. Spot, but, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. X marks the spot. There's buried treasure here yes, in this head. All right, there's a there's a nice big brain you're gonna That's find. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're here to talk about you and where you came from, kind of, you know, how you got into entrepreneurship. So, what's your origin story? Yeah. So, I it goes back pretty far, just from a personal struggle of mine. Um, I had an eating disorder starting out in my late teens and lasted through my mid twenties, and um, impacted me significantly. I started out, I didn't even recognize that it was an eating disorder when I first started. I was just an athlete. So I was playing field hockey in college, just started gradually ramping up the exercise and doing more and more and more and just felt like it was never enough. And at the same time, I was just eating kind of excessively. So I would eat a lot and then I would exercise a lot. And this just continued on for quite some time. And, um, and then it was all consuming. So like my whole day was centered around like, how am I going to exercise? When am I going to do it? How many times can I do it? So, I mean, I literally exercised night and day. And, um, and that cycle kind of continued to the point where I felt like I was eating so much, I couldn't make up for it alone with exercise that I started throwing up as well. So it just kind of compounded and, and just got worse and worse and worse. And um, pretty much lived with this, like I said, for six years. And um, there's just a lot of low points in that. And, you know, I just had like no social circle at the time because literally all I focused on was my eating disorder and it just controlled my whole life. So went through uh, my mid twenties with that, eventually recovered, kind of hit like my rock bottom moment, crawled my way out of it, had a lot of like roller coaster ride there, you know, just a lot of um, ups and downs throughout recovery, but got myself to a place where I felt like I wasn't tethered by the eating disorder anymore. But Subsequent to the exercise and the stress and the shame and the guilt and the everything I had gone through mentally for so many years, I found myself in a place of having chronic back pain. So I'm 25 now and my back is killing me. I was struggling to put my shoes on. I could not sleep at night. Um, I was driving an hour to work and had to step out a few times, pull on the side of the road, get out of my car just to stretch and kept going. And uh, I went to a practitioner at that time and took an x-ray in my back. And they're like, your spine is like a 50 year old, you know, and I'm 25 at the time. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I do about that? And they're like, well, it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. So that's kind of the mentality I lived with for, for many years. And I'm like, okay, I'm 25. Like, I'm only going to go downhill from here. And so it was really defeating to feel like that for so many years. And, um, you know, I went to physical therapy school, I did everything that I learned that you do for back pain, put myself through a regimen um, of exercises, strengthening, stretching, heat, ice, you name it, pillows, and just nothing seemed to work. And I'm like, wow, I can't even help myself. This is great, you know? And um, so again, just really just frustrated. And then there's all that regret, like, what did I do to myself? Like, you know, you destroyed your body early in your mid 20s. So um, I end up just, I was home one day and I ended up watching this documentary called Heal. And it really was kind of like that eye-opening moment where like, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be like this forever. And it was a documentary about people who have long-term conditions and they use the power of their brain to heal themselves. And it sounds very kind of woo-woo, but there was a lot of science behind it, which I love. I'm, I'm a science person. I need to know that there's a legit why behind what you're doing. So I kind of dove in headfirst into that and learned about um, I learned this in PT school, but really dove in more about the power of the brain, neuroplasticity, and how we can regulate our nervous systems to help ourselves 
heal our bodies. And the more I dove in and started applying all these techniques, the more I started to get a relief from my pain. And I have completely dove into that. I have a regimen that I do every day, habits I apply, and I've been pain-free for several years now. I've had two children and have not had back pain since. So, so I am a testament that it absolutely works. And it really was eye-opening that we have to heal from the inside out. And so many things try to heal us from the outside in. And that was really a wake-up call for me. So my route to being coming an entrepreneur was that I initially never really, that was never in my radar. I was just like, I'm going to go to school, come out, get a job. And that's what I did. I've worked as a physical therapist for six years. And it just, I've never felt fulfilled. I'm just like, I'm, I'm all I'm doing, working like a dog. I'm driving everywhere. I don't feel like I'm living my best life. I don't have a sense of purpose. I just felt empty and frustrated. And I'm like, I don't want to continue with this. And it was a blessing disguise because during the pandemic, I got furloughed. My husband got furloughed um, to halftime. And we had just built our house. We had just signed the mortgage before we got furloughed. We had a nine-month-old at the time. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I think it was just that like moment of like, oh, this is not good. You know, like that panic. So I applied to 40 jobs and I also opened my business at the same time. I'm like, something's going to have to work out for me. I got to figure this out. So, um, so I opened up my business and started that and that has really evolved. Initially I was doing, um, uh, like visits, home visits to see people. So, um, mobile PT business. And then that again, just did not pan out. It was not what I wanted. Didn't resonate with me. And I kind of just let the business go for a few months. And then I follow this uh, one, my, this, my coach who I end up hiring by, I follow Greg Todd online. I was watching his videos and I'm like, and I feel like I need just somebody, I need a mentor, you know? So I ended up jumping full force in and took a risk and put myself in a little bit more debt and hired a coach. And it was honestly the best thing I did because it transformed my whole mindset and has given me a whole new life. And and now I'm doing what I do today and I'm coaching online and I have a course that I offer people. And it's, it's just, I feel like I'm finally fulfilled and I'm where I was meant to be. Yeah. It's crazy how those sink or swim stories seem to always pop up for entrepreneurs where it was like, I, I was kind of stuck in this uh, rut of doing what I had to do to get by, to support my family. And then all of a sudden something happened. And it was, you're going to lose all that security that you stuck around for. Um, and you may or may not make it out of that. So why not just kind of take that leap of faith now and hop into what you're doing? Because what else are you going to do? Sit around here and wait for another one of those 40 jobs to pan out so that you can be miserable at another place. You know, uh, going back to what you were saying about the, the healing and the brain and how it does sometimes sound cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when you start talking about these things, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. As someone who's kind of pessimistic about some of these ideologies myself, it is, it's easy for a lot of us to kind of get stuck in that. Well, I don't know much about it, so I don't know that it's necessarily true or not. And it's something I've spoken about on a previous show with another guest of mine, Journeys to Heal, Christine of Sepian. We're actually going to do another episode together because there is so much to talk about in this space that it takes two episodes because it's like there's there's so much coming out and so much that we're learning that it's like we have to cover all of those things and you can't do that in 30, 45 minutes or even an hour. Um, so I 100% am with you that 
you know, I do think that while it does sound a little uh, strange or odd to some people, and I can totally understand why, I think we're somewhere in the middle there where it's like, yes, some of what is talked about is probably just a little bit strange or a little bit um, overblown and just kind of used as somebody more like a marketing effort where it's it's maybe not true, but if I can get them to believe it, then we're good to go. But I think we're right in that middle ground of there's so much about the brain we don't know and so much that's being unlocked on a daily basis that it's like some of it is true. And then as you said, some of it is starting to come out as backed by science through studies and everything else. So I, I love the idea and the concept of this. Um, I, I kind of relate it to that entrepreneurship thing where it's like if you're in such a bad place that modern medicine is not able to find an easy solution for you, a cost-effective solution for you, even if you don't necessarily 100% go into it believing all of it, at least go into it, give it a fair shot, keep an open mind, and see what's going to help. Because, you know, just like you, when you're up against this, I have a new baby, a husband, um, a mortgage, and now no job, what am I going to do? Well, hop into your entrepreneurship. Because if it works out, it does. And if it doesn't, then go get one of those 40 jobs you applied for. You know, and I see that kind of here. And I think it probably relates to your story a little bit of um, when you're hurting, when you're in pain, and when you have undiagnosed issues, then at least try the holistic approach. Because if one of these things does work for you, great. If it doesn't, continue to seek the modern medicine treatments that you're already getting. So I love this. I think it's going to be a great show. So let's hop into exactly what optimal you is, what you do, and and kind of how you rely on the mind to get these things done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's in, in no way would I say this is a quick fix thing. You know, it's not that like, here, do this for a day and you're good. The big thing about what I do is is teaching you how to serve yourself and teaching you the tools that you need to do it yourself. And with uh, my program, what I do is I do a personalized audit. We figure out where are your sources of stress? What is causing your nervous system to be dysregulated? And kind of going back with the nervous system, there's essentially two branches of the autonomic nervous system. You have the sympathetic branch, which is your fight, flight, freeze branch, which is when you have a stress response, that's what fire, uh, kicks on. And then you have the parasympathetic, which is the rest, digest, restore. That's the state we all want to be in. Just kind of you're relaxed. Everything is just going in, you know, status quo in the background. But what happens when we have chronic stress, we end up getting this fight, flight, and freeze response, and then we kind of stay there. And it's almost like if you were running your car on the highest gear and you just kept running it on that gear, things are going to wear out quicker because it's constantly firing. We were not intended to be up in that zone as long are so that's when you start seeing like autoimmune issues that's when you see pain that's when you see migraines headaches rest uh reproductive issues digestive issues it can manifest in any way and different ways for for everyone so what i do is that i teach ways for you to learn how to regulate your system in those moments of stress so it's not about let's get you know, you more relaxation time. It's not about like, hey, let's sit on the couch and just figure out how we can sit on the couch and and actually be restful. It's about being realistic. We always are going to have stress in our life. That is never going to go anywhere. We can't de- we can't rely on decreasing the stress around us. What we need to do is be a better buffer of it and be more resilient to the stress. So what I teach is how can we use these tools in those highest moments of stress so that your system is saying, I'm safe. I am not being threatened because our brains interpret stress as this threat response. We get the amygdala firing where it's saying you need to protect yourself and then it just perpetuates 
cycle. So we need to allow our prefrontal cortex, which is the executive function, the rational thinking, to be able to fire and say, no, 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 look around you, you are safe. And that's really what it is. And, and you can relate this to, mo to so many things. For me, I particularly deal with chronic pain, but I mean, for so many people who deal with chronic stress, when you have that response, you're, you have brain fog, you can't think, you can't concentrate. And unfortunately, in today's society, we have so many stressors that are constantly bombarding us, the news, jobs, family situations, and our brain has not adapted to deal with them in a healthy way. So in like primitive times when we were you know, living out in the woods, if there's a lion, you deal with the lion, you have the action, you have a release, and then you go back to your restful state. That's not reality. Now the lion is at your front door every day. It's on your phone every day. And so now we don't have that ability to get into a restful state. So that's what I do through Optimal U is that I help individuals learn how they can regulate their nervous systems in a way that they can uh, cope with that stress. So not necessarily working on getting the stress away, but how they can help themselves be in a state of balance and yeah, I think you had me more hooked when you said that I could be a couch potato and that that would be healthy for me. And then you said that that wasn't what you were trying to say. So, yeah. you know, you lost me a little bit. No, I, I'm not, I, I'm not I'm kidding, of a course. couch potato, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the best coping mechanism. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a whole list of issues there on that side of it that are probably similar to or worse than the ones where you're in that that heightened state of awareness, that sympathetic nervous system response. But um, I, I like the idea of this. So what exactly is it that I'm doing then to handle this stress? Because you're right. I mean, like you said, the things are on my phone. It's on my computer. It's on the TV. Um, it's on whenever my boss walks in and starts griping at me. Like there's so many stressors, you know, kids screaming in the background. Um, wife comes home and she's stressed from work. And now we have to do dinner and we've got our own set of stresses at the house. And you're right. It's like just one thing after another that piles onto it. And I didn't think about it from this perspective before talking to you, but you know, it's the same thing, obviously sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system is going to equal adrenaline. And we know this from um, things like, you know, nonviolent dispute resolution, where I, I talk to students about how to kind of use their communication skills in order to, diffuse the situation. And then unfortunately, if they have to get in a situation where they are defending themselves, we talk about that adrenaline dump where time is going to speed up or slow down depending on you know how you're perceiving it. And then also you're going to forget things, you're going to make up things that didn't happen. You know, you lose dexterity in your fingertips because we, I think we have this misconception in society that whenever your sympathetic nervous system hits and all that adrenaline dumps, it's like, I'm faster, I'm smarter, I'm better. And it's, it's the exact opposite. Like you said, it's brain fog. You know, um, you are scientifically dumber and slower and everything that is occurring is not occurring in the way that you would think of, you know, what you're looking for is that parasympathetic response. You're looking for that relaxed, that calm under pressure and being able to handle things. So what exactly am I getting from you as a tool to deal with that, that, you know, maybe I'm not doing on my own? Yeah, so it's a combination. Uh, a lot of it is behavioral and habit formation. So that's going to be the big thing. So there's a lot of things you can do throughout the day if you struggle with sleep that, you know, typically people think, oh, I struggle with sleep. I'll just try reading a book and then maybe I'll fall asleep. But there's actually things that you can do in the morning throughout the day um, that will set your circadian rhythms and help you get into more relaxed state before bed. So a lot of times I work through the visual system. So 
just like you're talking when you have that sympathetic response and you're, you're heightened, what happens is that our pupils dilate and we become more focused. So think about that when we're on our phones. That's what happens. You have a focused visual your screen. You're on your screen all the time. It's narrowed um, focus. And that's a reciprocal relationship. So if you're on your phone all the time, you're also going to have a heightened sympathetic response. So again, it comes to, obviously, we know we have to be on screens. That's part of our daily life. But if you're on a screen for a long period of time, let's take a moment to step away and get a peripheral view, allow our pupils to constrict again, and widen our, our viewing, our visual field. And that, again, allows our, our parasympathetic response to kick in. So that's one thing we can work through is through the visual system. Um, breath work is also another one that is our only voluntary means of changing our autonomic nervous system, shifting from sympathetic to parasympathetic. So using breath work in situations like if you're really stressed at work, yeah, maybe you can't go do an exercise session. That's not right. You know, you just don't have time, but you can always access your breath in a discrete manner. So what are some things we can do to step back, access the breath? Um, Another way too is teaching your nervous system that you're safe. So a big thing is fear and lack of safety. So a lot of times, especially for clients that I work with, there's past trauma, there's a lot going on that they, maybe they experienced in their childhood that compromised their feeling of safety. And that's why many things kind of spiral out of control because they don't feel safe. So it's about reassessing your environment, even as much as giving yourself the proprioception, the ability to kind of feel your environment, to recognize in this moment I'm safe because sometimes our brains put us into a place where we don't feel safe. Um, there's also um, cold water therapy and cold exposure. So that's another one. It's not something I would start with, but it's something that is very beneficial as you go through. Um, of course, somebody with chronic pain telling them they have to go jump in a cold shower in the morning is not going to be very inviting, but it's something to work towards because there are so many benefits to that. And then it's also working through movement. So being aware of how you're moving and then combining it with breath so that, again, you're accessing the parasympathetic system, allowing yourself to relax, which also can allow the fascia or your connective tissue to also relax. So that's one aspect that a lot of practices don't look at is the fascia. So our fascia has more sensory um, nerves than our retina. So when you're stressed, it actually can change its properties. It can become very taut. And so that's where we see a lot of tension. So allowing the nervous system to relax allows your fascia to relax and allows you to sleep better. So those are pretty much what I work through. And then, again, curtail it to your individualized needs because everyone is coming at a different place. So it's not just one blanket. Here, do this and, and move on with your day. So it needs to be individualized. To what person yeah, I think. Honestly, that's one of the biggest trends that we're seeing in every single business is people are finding that out that if you walk somewhere and they say that we have this solution that works for everyone, you know, one size fits all, then to me, that's a red flag. It's like, get out of there and go somewhere else. Because if anyone says you could just walk in here and buy this and it's going to transform, you know, whatever it is you want to work on, there's probably reasons why they don't understand what they're doing as well as somebody else. So uh, I love that you bring that up. Cold water therapy, something else that just, I really want to do it. I want to try it, um, but I'm going to be honest, I am scared. I love cold weather whenever I can wear 500 jackets and thermals and a pair of pants and be warm in the cold weather. I love that. I like it cold in my house, but the idea of jumping into an ice bath absolutely terrifies me. I'm not going to lie, but I have heard so many great health benefits 
that come from doing that. And then on top of it, I'm guessing it probably compounds along with the breath work that you're talking about because your breathing is going to change automatically. Um, you know, and then the mental focus that it takes and the um, kind of drive that you have to have yourself to be able to do something like that. I think it all just kind of works together on the breath work stuff. Are we talking about breathing in such a way that kind of stimulates the vagus nerve? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's part of it because the vagus nerve is highly integrated with the parasympathetic nervous system. So yeah, that, that will absolutely get the vagus nerve going just with the sheer movement of the diaphragm. But there's also a lot of other ways to Wow. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to bring up was just we're talking about physiological changes, too. You know, I, I don't want anyone to come into this show and think that we're just talking about, hey, you know, like feelings of affirmation. And if they work for you, I'm not hating on you for this at all. I do not mean this from a bad standpoint. But um, in my mind, it's not just waking up in the morning and saying, like, you're going to kill it and you're going to be great and you're going to be in your parasympathetic nervous system state all day. And uh, this is going to be wonderful. Like, breath work, you're actually changing your body's um, reaction to things real time. You know, that's why they tell you when you're starting to get angry, upset, take a step away, start breathing slowly, take those deep breaths. Um, you know, we see it when we're treating patients that have anxiety attacks, you know, and it's like anxiety, which is obviously a big part of that is mental. And it's like you start to hyperventilate. And then all of those problems start to compound and cause a bunch of issues for you, which can include pain and numbness and tingling and, um, you know, a, a sense of being just terrified the situation that you're in. And it's like if you can do some breath work and start taking slow, deep breaths in and out and then, you know, just counting those out, you're going to have physiological change from what you're doing. So I'd love for you to kind of expand on, uh, I guess, what it looks like on a daily basis or a weekly basis, however it goes, that. If I'm if I'm calling you and coming to you as a patient or not a patient, sorry, but as a um, let's start that over and edit that out. If I'm coming to you as someone who wants that that coach that's going to kind of walk me through these things, am I getting just basically some pamphlet paperwork that's telling me, hey, here's how to breathe better, or you know, what are you doing for me exactly? Yeah, yeah. So the big thing, I'm all about action. I'm all about science based. So everything that I'm going to tell you has research backing. So I. Again, I'm not one to just tell you to do this because I'm telling you to do this. Everything needs to be science-based because that's how I work. And I need to know that there's a legit why behind anything that I'm doing. So anything that I tell my clients to do, I educate them on exactly what it does physiologically, what it does neurologically, and what the basis of, basis, basis of it excuse me, um, is. So everything is science-backed and it's all about action. So when you're in a state of stress and pain, you don't think clearly. So for you to say, just flip a switch and be like, yes, you know, like the affirmations again, yes, you are this. And, you know, I love myself. Sometimes that's really difficult for people because their brain literally is not functioning in a way that it can even conceptualize what it needs to say. And it's also not very receptive to that either. So moving through the body and using action rather than just thoughts is going to be a better pathway for accessing the brain and actually creating new pathways. So when someone comes to me, what I have them do is I have a uh, six section audit. So I look at sleep, energy levels, I look at pain um, experience. So not just a scale of one through 10, what's your pain? Let me tell, tell me about how your pain is impacting your daily life. That's what I wanna know. I don't care what number you are because that's so subjective. Tell me why it's impacting you and how it's impacting you. That's more important. 
Um, I look at catastrophizing. So what are your views on when something happens? Do you think worst case scenario? And I look at that. I look at your beliefs and your ability to even heal. So before I even allow anyone in my program, I have an audit and an application. So you have to first believe that it's absolutely possible to heal because if you don't have that belief, you're not going to succeed. And I only want people who are going to succeed in my program. So I honestly won't even let you into the program until you believe that this is possible um, and going off of that and that you deserve it. So those are two things that, again, I look out before you even can enroll in the program. Um, and then other things I look at your lifestyle. Um, what are you doing currently? What are your sources of um, stress management? So that's a big indicator. I've had many people say, um, I just keep busy. This is what I do. That's how I deal with my stress. And so it gives me a good picture of like, what are you doing currently? And, and because obviously what you're doing right now is not working. So I look for what can we change in what you're doing currently to make a better outcome for yourself. And that's the big thing. So the whole part in the beginning is just auditing. What can we do? Then I have a big pain science education piece. So I teach you exactly what pain science is. And because this is a piece where I think is really missing in the medical system. Doctors don't, and I'm not knocking the medical system, but in general, a lot don't take the time to teach people what's actually going on. And this is really missing. And a lot of times people put the blame on themselves when they don't understand that there's a science behind it. And what you're experiencing is absolutely real. And it's your brain protecting you rather than your brain being an enemy. So I do a huge piece on pain science. Why, why are you feeling what you're feeling? What has led you to this? And just so that you're educated on how we can progress forward. So if you don't understand why you're in pain, then anything I give you really won't matter because you won't understand that it's helping you get past that and rewire the brain. And then I dive deep into all the areas that I kind of discussed. So I go through visual therapy. So working through the visual system, the vagus nerve, I work through uh, movement practices, breathwork practices, um, integrating those. I talk about cold water therapy. Again, I, I talk about it. It's not necessarily something I have somebody jump into unless they're able to at that point. It just depends on where they are in that spectrum. Um, but I run them through all those and how they can apply it. And then my last part is habits because I can give you all the tools, but if you are not able to implement them and actually act on them, it's a waste. So I go through a whole section of how can we implement this into your life in a way that it's manageable, it doesn't feel like you're getting resistance or, or friction against it, and that you feel like you can realistically continue on with this for life. Because again, we always tend to go back to what's comfortable. And for anyone who's in a place where they're not happy, they want to be, excuse me, anyone who's in a place where they're not where they want to be, they tend to kind of get back to that comfort zone because even if it's not good, it's still what's comfortable. So change is uncomfortable. Any kind, any kind of growth progress will be uncomfortable. So I educate on that. It's going to feel uncomfortable and that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It actually means you're doing everything right. So I work through how can we implement these habits in a realistic way. And then um, I do a follow-up. So uh, my program is six weeks and then I do a follow-up, where are you now? And then how can we modify that? that you're staying on track and where you need to be. The big thing about my program is that there's accountability. So it's not just like, here, you're on your own, good luck. You have accountability. So I expect that you're implementing these as you go through it. And I'm here to support you, but I'm also here to not be your best friend. I'm here to make sure that you're actually doing this, that you see the changes. And then there's community. So you have other people who have gone through this. For 
my community of other people who have been through eating disorders and who have pain. So it's a, a community that understands each other very well and can support each other to progress. It's not a community to say, this is what I did, this is what I did, that didn't work. It's not that negative negativity where we kind of fester and everything that didn't work. It's a community where we can really support each other to get to our dream outcome. That makes sense. So if I'm looking to see if I'm a good client fit for you or not, just the, the very first basic question I would have is, how do I know if I need you? Are you only looking for someone with an eating disorder or someone that's in chronic pain? Um, yeah, so my, my ideal client is someone who's had a history of eating disorder, not someone who's in, inpatient right now. It needs to be someone who is mostly recovered from that eating disorder. So that, that absolutely needs to be the priority is that they're recovered through the eating disorder before we deal with the chronic pain. But yeah, um, anyone who's experienced chronic pain or has any kind of residual physical effect from the eating disorder is, is who I mainly treat. But really, my program would benefit anyone who's experiencing chronic pain that hasn't had an disorder or anyone who even has chronic stress having those tools to even prevent or deal with some of those other residual symptoms that you might get. From yeah, I mean, stress. that's kind of what I was thinking about. It was, first of all, I'd be a nightmare client for you because I'm exactly all those things that you just described, like, I want to go back to that level of comfort, you know, and do things I'm not supposed to. Um, I absolutely keep myself busy to just kind of uh, forget about anything that I want to. If I am uh, upset, you're going to see me working on a whole lot more podcasts at night, or if I'm just not feeling well, or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, it, it's one of two things. I'm either going to be working my face off at home when I'm supposed to be with my kids, or I'm going to be sleeping. Those are the the two ways that I handle yeah, stress in my household. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's insane. So yeah. I feel like I'd be a bad client for you anyway. Or you might be a really good client because you're someone who needs it. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Honestly, I think, you know, to be 100% honest, I think we all need it. I think we all need this to some degree um, because everybody's going through similar things. It's just that what we get out of it, the reason that we're hurting, if you will, may be different. And I think that these stresses that are causing these issues may be different. And, and all of that combined, I still think that we all need some sort of, it seems like therapy, you know, it, it honestly seems like therapy because you're talking about all of these things that are ailing us with these clients. And then you're going through this whole, like, tell me your life story and why you're here. And then finding out how you can help us deal with that through some physical exercises, mental exercises, all of that. But I love this. So is there a place for us to be able to go? maybe consume some of these lessons that you're teaching without necessarily becoming a client because we may not be the best fit. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, just because you're extremely good at your job and not looking for someone like me as a client doesn't mean that that's a bad thing. It's great that you know you need someone with an eating disorder and or chronic pain after that. And, and I love that you can define that and that's where you want to be because it makes you happy. Um, but if I still want to learn from you because I love the lessons that you're teaching, where do I connect and, and get that information? Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm on social media pretty much every day. So um, Instagram, Dr. Kelly Kessler, TikTok, Dr. Kelly Kessler, same thing, Facebook, um, Dr. Kelly Kessler and YouTube, Dr. Kelly Kessler, all one word. Um, I also have a podcast called Rewiring Health. So I have a lot of great guests and I also do episodes just um, by myself. And I, you can also access me through my website, which is optimalyouhealthandwellness.com. Yeah, that's perfect. I know, you know, these interviews, whenever they happen, 
And it's just such a great conversation like this one has been. Oftentimes they'll say, I have my own podcast as well. So uh, I knew going into this one, it was going to be good because I saw all that stuff in your guest profile before you got started here. But I think it's great that even though someone may not be a potential client for you, there are still some awesome lessons because just reiterating what we both said, everyone needs this. I, I think it's a great thing to go through and the work that you're doing is I'm sure having a profound impact on a lot of people. So thank you for what you do for those that need the help. And uh, of course, thank you for being on the show and sharing all this information with us. And I hope that plenty of people get in contact with you. I know I'm going to listen to the show and I'm also going to check out all those resources you have and just kind of take some of those exercises and apply it to my own life. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Yeah, it's it's always awesome. I love meeting new people and I love hearing their stories. So opening up and sharing that stuff with us, it takes some courage and bravery, which I know you already have from your own podcast because you've been behind the mic. So uh, it's been a great episode. And listeners, as always, thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins and checking out another entrepreneur with an amazing story to share. And I hope that you will please go check out everything that our guest has you can find that guest profile at www.smallbusinessorigin.com listed right underneath the episode. You're going to see our guest's name and all of the things that she has mentioned today on the show. We're going to link that stuff there, both on her profile and on the episode page. And then as a bonus, of course, if you're listening anywhere you get your podcast right now, we have awesome show notes below that will have all of those links we mentioned in today's show available for you to click and go to directly. So please like, share, follow, not only the show, but of course our guests and support them. That's why they keep coming back to share their stories on this show every single week. And it's because of listeners like you. So that's it for another episode. We'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it.